I think in honor of Halloween, we should all tell scary stories. I'm going to tell you a story, and you may or may not find it scary or spooky. I didn't. But when you think about it, it's a little out there. So this happened in the 90s, I believe. And it could have been late 80s. I was, it had to be the 80s, actually. I was still living at home with my, with my mom and dad. And my grandmother, on my mother's side, was pretty old. We figured she was in her 90s. And she wasn't doing well. She was starting to talk a little crazy. And we were concerned about her safety. She lived alone in a falling down little shack, basically. And my mom decided that we would put her in a nursing home because where we lived, it was a high rise and impossible for her to get around. And there were no other family members around that could help her. So we moved her into a nursing home, probably just in time. She was diagnosed with leukemia. And like I said, she was starting to say things that didn't make any sense. She would tell stories about things that nobody could see but her. I remember one time she told us a very serious story about how she was walking down the street and there was a frog on the hood of a car and she had a conversation with it. And she told the story like it was, you know, something that happens every day. And um, I mean, I was young enough that it didn't scare me or anything. I guess I just took it as, you know, she's nearing the end of her life and her mind is being liberated to you know, seeing all the stuff that we couldn't see. I was kind of fascinated by it. But of course, my mom was devastated because she could see that her mom was breaking down. So one day we get a call that um, my grandmother was probably not going to make it through the day. So my sister and I and my mom bundle into the car and we drive the 40-something minutes to the nursing home. And I, for some reason... I just didn't want to see her dying. That's just not the memory that I wanted. I didn't want to be there. So I elected to stay in the car. And I felt very guilty about this, but I also felt very strongly. I just, I could not be in the room with her if she was gonna die. So my mom and my sister went in and I sat in the car and sat in the car and looked around and eventually I thought, could you give me a sign, let me know that she's gone? So I, Cause I was starting to feel like I should go inside. And, um, and I remember really looking around for a sign and there was like a lightning bolt off at a distance and it didn't feel like that was a sign. And then something else happening, I remember. I didn't think that was a sign either, but I decided I better go inside. Went inside and sure enough, my grandmother had passed away. And of course I was obsessed with when did she die? How long ago did she die before I walked in here? Did I just miss it? Was, you know, are they angry at me? Is my, did my grandmother know I wasn't in the room? I was just obsessed with knowing what time she died. Of course, I didn't ask because that would have been tacky. My mom was crying. My sister was upset. Um, eventually, we all, you know, did whatever needed to be done. And then we got in the car to go home and were very quiet. And I still had this question in my head. When did she die? And as we're driving down the highway, I remember we were in the fast lane, I think. And there was this very, very 
old style powder blue car. I've never seen a powder blue car before. And it drove past on my side, I'm the passenger. And in the driver's seat was a white haired man. And next to him was a white haired lady. So they were old. And the car passed us. It was going faster than we were. And the license plate said DTH 309. And I knew that that was the sign. I knew it. And a couple of weeks later, or however long it takes, the death certificate arrived. And just as I knew, she had died at 309. Spooky story number two coming up. I didn't learn to drive until I was in my 30s. And that's because I didn't need to. Not just because I didn't have the money. I used to walk, ride my bike, or take the bus everywhere. But when I was in my 30s, I was offered my first management position. And I had to be basically on call. I had to be available 24 hours a day in case of emergencies. And I had to be able to go to meetings and rallies and all that kind of stuff. It was a um, a social services field position. So not having a car, <laughs> I had to beg my mom and dad. And the universe worked it out for me that they just so happened to be about to trade in their old Ford Thunderbird luxury model. Automated everything. Windows, seats, height of the seat, the forward and backward seat, everything. Mirrors, all that stuff. Pretty cool car for a newbie. I didn't know any of that stuff about the car because, like I said, I didn't drive. All I needed was four wheels to get me from place to place, and I knew I couldn't afford one. My mom said no. So I had to break out the waterworks for my dad. He can't stand to see me cry. And he agreed to give me the car. And he wouldn't even make me pay for it. Wasn't that sweet? So my very first car was a heavy four-door Ford Thunderbird luxury sedan. And those cars, like I said, are a little heavy. And uh, so it wasn't the car that I had learned to drive in. So I had to learn how to, to adjust, you know, for the the weight of the car and the, I think it was front wheel drive. I, I don't remember. Anyway, um, I was scared. Being in my 30s and learning to drive um, probably made me a little more cautious. And so I'm telling you, if I drove over 30 miles an hour, I was scared to death. The first time I drove on a highway, I think I cried. I, mean, I don't know how people do this. <laughs> so I remember... Um, early in my career driving this big heavy car um, I was turning into my driveway and the way my driveway was shaped was it was an L so you would come off the street to the long part of the L and then you would turn left and go straight into the garage and so I was doing this I turn off the street drive down the L turn left I'm driving into the garage and All of a sudden, I hear a woman's voice inside the car over my right shoulder, like towards, I mean, it actually sounded further away than being inside the car, but the voice was soft enough, like not startling me, but she said very firmly, Allison, 
which happens to be my name. I didn't recognize the voice. There was nobody in the car with me. All the windows were closed. There was nobody around the car. And if there were anyone around the car who said my name like that, I wouldn't have heard them. So it was definitely a voice inside the space. And I knew immediately the subtext of what saying my name meant. It meant hit the brakes. And I hit the brakes. And had I not hit the brakes, I would have gone through the back wall of the garage. So, you can imagine, I thought to myself, first of all, thank you. (laughs) Second of all, uh, who was that? And I looked around and I tried to imagine where the voice had come from and who it was. And did I know this voice? And no, I don't. To this day, decades later, two decades later, I don't know. Okay, not totally two decades later. But I still don't know who this voice was. And it didn't scare me. So I think I just chalked it up to, we'll call it my guardian angel. But it is a little spooky to think that some disembodied voice probably saved me from disaster. That's my spooky story. Here's a story from my high school years. My best friend was named Patty. And the way I grew up was very strict. My parents didn't like us going out at night. We had to come home by a curfew time that was earlier than all of our friends. In fact, I had one friend who lived less than a mile away and If we came home after dark, regardless of what time dark happened, my friend had to walk me home, which was kind of crazy because then she would have to walk back home by herself. We laugh about that to this day. (laughs) But anyway, my family was very strict. We didn't curse. We didn't sing at the table. We sat down to dinner and we had chores of setting the table, clearing the table, uh, washing the dishes, all that stuff were pretty regimented, um, you know, just a strict family, which of course made me yearn for families that were different. And Patty was very different. Her mom was crazy, like crazy fun. She was impulsive. We would all hop in the car and she would just take us to, you know, some fast food restaurant to eat. And it wasn't just any car. It was a van in which the back seats were gone. And instead, the seats were, I guess, installed to face each other. It was like a camper, almost, with a table in the middle and no seat belts. <laughs> and so she would drive, and Patty and I would be in the back going, whoa, whoa, you know, every time she turned a corner or went over a bump. Fun days. And uh, we went camping together. I slept over her house so much. And her mother treated me like a daughter. So... Uh, one day, uh, I was over at Patty's house, and of course, no rules. So we're out like two o'clock in the morning, running up and down the street like idiots. And um, we we used to play this game called Monster. Don't ask me. I, I'm gonna blame that one on Patty. But what we did was we would like 
drag our, our feet down the street, making monster noises and sort of imagine some of the moves in the thriller dance, Michael Jackson's thriller dance, that sort of thing. And bleh, monster. I don't know why nobody called the police on us. But anyway, that's what we did. <laughs> and we would just crack each other up. Everything we did was just for laughs, you know, nothing serious. So one day we're, or one night we're out there, two o'clock in the morning or whatever, doing monster under the street lamp. And all of a sudden, Patty says, oh, what's that? And we look up, and there is this, I can't, I, I can barely describe it because it was, it's one of those things where you don't know how far away it is because there's nothing really to compare it to in the sky, and it was nighttime, no planets or anything to compare it to. It was a glowing, oddly shaped, yellow mass just floating across the sky and I don't it wasn't floating it definitely had power so it was going straight in some trajectory headed northernish across the sky and um, it, it was mis it, it was shaped almost like you would think a meteor or a meteorite um, would be shaped but it was evenly colored glowing from the inside no trails behind it, no noise whatsoever, and uh, and it was either very huge and far away, or large and closer, and it scared the heck out of us. We watched it, and then we ran into the house, convinced that there were aliens disembarking and they were going to find us and all this stuff, and we actually called a radio station and reported it, and they told us to call some kind of um, number to report unidentified flying objects. And that really scared us because now, you know, it was like somebody else was saying, yep, that's a UFO. So we called and reported it. And uh, I'm sure that report is still in the annals of the whatever UFO registry or whatever it was we called. But that's my UFO story. It was a dark and tundrous night. People were gathered everywhere, waiting for something to happen. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, Trump became president. Ah!